Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 77 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm so glad you're here today. This is a really fun, very different episode. Today, I'm talking to Alex Corsier, who was uh, introduced to me by my friend Beverly Williams, who is a professor and has been teaching him. And he was he was reaching out for an informational interview, and I uh, flip-flopped on him, and I said, yes, I will absolutely give that to you, but why don't we do it on air? Because he wanted to talk specifically about writing and podcasting. Um, so you get to listen to this young man talk to me about writing, and he is awesome. He is going to set the world on fire. And I am very glad that I've already claimed him as a friend because I wanted to. And uh, it was just an utter delight to talk to him. So you will enjoy that. In what's going on around here, you guys, I finished the third revision of the thriller and I am so happy. I was sitting in a deeply, deeply soulless Panera uh, while I was waiting for my car to get worked on in a soulless town over the hill from where I live. And I could not have predicted that I could have felt so much joy inside a Panera when I came to the end of it. I actually kind of wanted to cry at one of the parts, um, which is unlike me. I don't cry much anyway. Uh, so that was awesome. And I was shocked and gasped at one part at the end because in one of the revisions, apparently I had changed the ending and completely forgotten that I'd done that. So it worked. It shocked me and scared me. And, um, and I just had such a good time finishing it. Oh, it's off my desk. So that's great. It's out to my agent. Fingers crossed that this time she thinks it's good enough to take out. Uh, I do not need it to be good enough to be published right now. I just want to sell it to an editor who can help me get it to the place where it will be good enough to be published. So I think it's at that selling point. I really do. I'm going to um, hold my confidence in that, even though sometimes that confidence is hard won. But um, that is great. I sent it out to a couple of reader friends, too, uh, who usually read for me, and I'm excited to hear back. And more news. Uh, we're heading into the second half of February. February is my music month in this replenish um, activity that I'm doing, writing this book on filling the creative spirit. And February is my music month. My band Sausalito. Hello, Clara. Uh, my yacht rock band Sausalito is going along smashingly. Somehow we know like 18 songs and they sound good. Some of them, you know, suck, but um, they're getting better. And some of them we could literally perform right now if we got a gig, which we're very close to doing. Uh, so that has been fun. March is coming up and that's why I mention it. Uh, March is the month take a deep breath, in which I'm planning to try to take vacation. And we've talked about this. I don't take vacation. I haven't taken vacation in years. Um, the closest I got, I guess I took one week in Iceland a few couple years ago with my wife and did nothing, um, nothing professional. But still, that was like traveling and, and being a tourist. And that's a lot of awesome, awesome work, but it's, it's not relaxing. And so in March, I'm going to go to Barcelona, uh, 
for a week by myself where I do plan to relax and then a week with Lala and then a couple weeks of vacation at home, staycation. And in order to do that for March, I'm trying to get everything off of my plate. So I've got the novel off my plate. I need to get a proposal out. I have an article for a magazine due. I have a Patreon essay to write. I have a bunch of podcasts to record, so you guys will not feel the difference um, of me being gone unless I can't fill those podcasts, in which case uh, you will just have to miss me because I am really going to try hard not to work. I do have to teach a little tiny, tiny bit, but it's a pretty simple thing and it shouldn't take too much brain power. And the only other thing I'm going to do is write for myself in my journal. I'm going to write everything. I'm going to daydream. I'm going to imagine new books. I'm going to wander around. I have nothing on my plate. That is the goal. It is terrifying to me. And it is also super exciting to consider. So I hope that it works out. It is an incredibly privileged place to be sitting. I understand that. And I am grateful for the opportunity even to think about it. So that is fun. And otherwise, let's just jump into the interview because Alex is just such a delight. I hope that you um, find him that as well. I know that you will. You couldn't possibly find him anything but a delight. It was just wonderful to talk to him. So I hope for you, my friend, that you are getting some writing done, that you are carving out a little bit of time in your day to get your words on the page because that's what matters, right? I love that you listen to the show, but do let me beat that, be that, uh, boot in your ass that gets you moving, um, toward your page, toward putting your truth into words. So happy listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Onward. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write, and you'll also get my Stop Stalling and Write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Okay, well, listeners, I am so pleased to talk today to Alex Corsier. Hello, Alex. Hello, all. This is a unique and new kind of show. We're not going to follow the for the normal format for how do you write today. Um, Alex reached out to me for an informational uh, interview, and I turned the tables on him completely, and I said, "Okay, how about you interview me?" on air because he wanted to talk about writing and podcasting. And to be very honest with you, Alex, I didn't have a show lined up for this week. So uh, you're going to be live in like two days because I, awesome. I have been finishing a book and not and putting stuff uh, off of my table. So you are actually helping me a great deal today. Um, usually sure. I give an introduction of my uh, of my guests and I would like you to tell us a little bit about yourself and where you are in your writer's journey. And where do you live well, and, and, and how did we connect? Okay. Well, for starters, um, I'm 21 years old. I have just actually switched over from writing with a degree in English with uh, education concentration to writing concentration because I felt that if I was going to go to college and pay, you know, X amount of dollars a year, I want to go for what I want. Yep. I'm not, I don't have anybody paying for me. It's just, I'm doing this by myself because I wanted to, I want this to be independent. So I decided if I'm going to go to college, I'm going to pay for what I want. So I, you know, it was actually my creative writing class that really spurred me to become a writer. Uh, where I am right now, I'm amateur at best. I only have a story published in um, the Westfield Boys, which is a local newspaper. That's so fantastic. Yeah, it was it was pretty exciting to be it was like, wow, I actually have something published. This is really cool. Like, right. I really want to get going with this. And um, I think the biggest point of what's inspired me to become a writer is, as I mentioned to you before, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And I listen to a lot of horror podcasts and fiction podcasts. Mm -hmm. And 
I was amazed at the volume of writing that I couldn't find elsewhere and the quality of that writing and the quality of the recordings that people do. And just everything about it was, was so alluring to me because I've always liked storytelling. I've always liked reading. I was the kid that, you know, would sit in the corner in the shade at recess and read a book instead of play kickball with everybody. But one of the, one of the biggest things for me was, um, is when I started writing for my creative writing class, we did workshop, which I feel like everybody's done if they've been in a, in a creative writing class. And getting the feedback from other people about what I've written and about how I can improve as a writer and all the things that I could do with it, I was so amazed. And when I actually wrote something that I was proud of, I was like, wow, I can do this. Because I've wanted to write since I was in high school. I tried to start a novel in high school and I would get a thousand or two thousand words in like really quick first, like, yeah, I'm going to write it all right now. And then I would leave it for months and I would go back and be like, I'm never going to touch this again. <laughs> Well, yep, that's that's a major problem in writing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely my biggest problem. So, what genre would you lean toward then? Would you lean toward horror? Or? Um, I think right now I'm leaning towards like horror and sci-fi and fantasy. I haven't really figured out what I'm best at or what I really want to do, but I know that I want to write fiction. That's the biggest thing for me. Fantastic. Because I find a lot of satisfaction, a lot of enjoyment in writing something, and then somebody telling me after they've written read it, like, "Wow, I really like this. Like, yeah, this is cool." going to do more with this and like i can actually do that it also sounds like you are receptive to criticism which is something that a lot of writers have a very hard time with in something like a workshop you know if somebody tells them how to fix their work or how to change their work or their opinions about their work a lot of writers will shut down and kind of go back into their carapace and crawl into the cave do you have any of that reaction or do you just embrace it I think that was me at the beginning, but what happened was is I've, I've worked in the service industry my whole life. I've, been, I've worked in restaurants and I've worked in you know, jobs where I'm not you know, independent. I, I was a painter when I was young and now I've, you know, I've, I work in restaurants, I work in food carts, I work in the back of kitchens, I work in the front. I've done it all and I know how people are, but I also know how to take criticism because if you've ever worked at Dunkin' Donuts, you know that people aren't exactly nice at five in the morning before mm -mm. their coffee. Mm -mm. And if you, shut, if you shut down, you get fired. <laughs> What a great thing to say. And and honestly, all of the successful writers I know as close friends, we were all in the service industry. All of us. You know, I was a waitress for years and years and years. And you're right. You just have to shut up and take it with a smile, which is what we do in criticism of our work, too. If it's a review, we shut up and take it with a smile, period. We do not react. But if we're in a workshop, you shut up, take it with a smile, and then take it away and reflect upon it and decide whether their criticism is something that is meant to help you or something you can just say, no, 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 not for me. You're just wrong about this. Um, I think the problem is a lot of new writers go, oh, God, everybody is right. But everybody's telling them different things that, that contradict each other. So that's so cool. Well, I love to hear where you are. Um, I, I know that you're interested in podcasting and you have a brilliant voice for it. I appreciate <laughs> So you should absolutely do this. So now the, the weird thing about this particular episode is that you're kind of going to interview me. Right? It was a turn. <laughs> I like them. <laughs> well, the biggest thing, like, I remember I was listening to a podcast a while ago, and, and somebody said, it was a question that I thought was really important as a writer to be asked, and it's something that I can't, I can't answer yet, but I know that you can. When was the first time that somebody asked you, what do you do, that you were able to say, I'm a writer? When was the first time when you, when you thought to yourself, like, oh, well, I'm a writer? That's a, that's a great question. I, it was years ago, probably probably 15 years ago. So it was after my master's, but it was well before I had completed a novel, well before I felt comfortable calling myself a writer at all. I was a 911 dispatcher who was trying to be a writer on the side. And I was dating a woman who 
Um, we were going to a dinner party and I expressed this frustration to her. I said, I, someday I want to be able to say that I'm a writer. And she said to me, but you write, you write, you're a writer, call yourself a writer. If somebody asks you tonight at this party, what you do, I want you to say you're a writer. And, and I thought she was crazy, but somebody did ask me at the dinner party, what do you do? And I said, I'm a writer. And I immediately caved and followed it with, and I'm a 911 dispatcher. That's what I really do. That's how I pay the bills. But the interesting thing was, is that I was convinced that that person would glom onto the 911 dispatch idea because that's always something that people are interested in. And he didn't. He said, oh my God, you're a writer. How fascinating. Tell me about that. And that, and I will never forget that moment. That was the very first time I said it and almost believed it. Um, I think after that, I didn't quite start feel comfortable with saying I was a writer until I had a completed book and was looking for an agent. At that point, I started to kind of whisper it a little bit more securely. You know, I'm a 911 dispatcher, but I'm also really a writer. I'm really trying to do this. I think that's actually fascinating because the person who said to me was like, I didn't become a writer until I had, you know, taken my writing as a job. Because yeah. that was one of the things, because a lot of people like a lot of people think, oh, like, hey, I can write because like, oh, I can only I only write when I'm inspired. And it's like, you're never going to be, you're never going to get anything done if you only write when you're inspired. Because how often do you feel that inspiration where you're like, I have to sit down and write this right now. I've felt that twice. Yeah, <laughs> me maybe, maybe too. More. I know, but it's <laughs> it's not something that people are constantly like, oh, I'm inspired by this, by this, 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 and this. The world doesn't work that way. And I realized that she said when in the, in the interviews, uh, I... Finally, was comfortable calling myself a writer when I was writing every day. Yeah. When I was ta- when I was taking it seriously, because she said it's not something that you just want to do; it's something that you have to do if you want to be successful at it. And yes. I was like, and it, it, I was sitting there, and she's like, "You're not a writer if you're not writing." And I was like, and she's like, "It's like as mean as that sounds to say." Is like, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, you're right. Like, if I don't write, then I, I'll never be a writer. But I, w- so, I always encourage students and anybody who listens to the show, if you are writing, even if you are not out for an agent, even if you're still working on your first book, even if you're not considering self-publishing or trad publishing yet, you get to say you're a writer if you're writing. And I extrapolate that even further. I have 23 books or, or so. I think that was my last count. Um, but next year, if I'm not writing, if I were to suddenly stop writing, I wouldn't consider myself a writer personally even though I will always have this backlist. Um, but I really believe that writers write no matter where you are in your publishing career. So I consider you a writer. You are a writer. Do you do you feel confident taking those words and saying it? I think I'll feel confident after the first, because like I've only really started writing consistently, like very consistently in the last, I'd say five months. Okay, so Alex, we just met. Um, what do you do? Um, I am a full-time day student. No, nope, wrong, wrong. Eh, eh, eh. No? Ah. Nope. Alex, we just met. What do you do? I'm a writer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, it's hard. we're having this conversation face to face, and it's still hard for you to say. So it is. I'm just, I'm just, if if people are listening now in your car or driving to work, say it out loud. I am a writer. Awesome. Okay, great. Go on, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the next question: How long have you been a writer? When did you know you wanted to be a writer? I was about five. Or so I learned, according to my mom, I learned to read when I was three, um, super passionate about writing even then, but it was around five or six when I realized that, you know, my mom stayed home and t- cared for us. My dad got up in the morning and went to work cause he had a job and that made money. And there, there were these things called jobs and one of the jobs in the world, like remember Richard Scarry's, um, 
the busy everybody does work yep. book. Um, I think somebody in there was a writer and I realized, oh my God, that's a job. That's a profession. The books that I love to read, the books that I couldn't put down, somebody's job is to set those words down. And I remember thinking that that must be the best job in the whole world. And that's what I wanted to do. And, but then I kind of, I bought into society and familial pressure that, you know, an artist does not pay the bills. Um, being a writer does not pay the bills. So I actually went to college at first for business and completely basically failed. I was, I was like you, I put myself through, um, undergrad and grad school, uh, took out, you know, loans to do it and decided if I was going to take out loans, if I was going to do this, it would have to be something that I love. So then I switched to English and started to write. Um, but it was a very long time before I actually kind of caught that glimmer that, yes, I could, I could do this. If I, if I worked hard enough, if I really wanted to, I could, become that person who's behind the book. And I love being that person behind the book. I have to tell you, it's the best. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I've always been so excited. Like, I, I can't wait to finish the first, you know, the first book or the first collection of stories yep. or whatever. Cause like I've published it. That's when I think I'll be able to say I'm a writer. Yep. Have you like, ever, when I, Oh, have you ever done NaNoWriMo? I have tried. I am really bad at, at right. Cause I remember I, I just listened to the episode where you were talking about it and how, when that's how you wrote your first book. Yeah. And I was like, I would love to do it because I had friends in high school that did it. I have friends in high school who wrote the entire book in the month. Wow. I was like, oh my God. How do you do that? High school. And also you're like in classes at the same time. <laughs> November's exactly. a busy school month. It really yeah. is. But I remember I was I was so fascinated because I was like, I couldn't believe that my friends would write so much. I liked writing little stuff here and there. I liked, you know, like adding to other people's stories, but I was never confident enough to write my own. Mm -hmm. And I tried NaNoWriMo, I tried on the easiest setting, and I couldn't bring myself to sit down every day because I couldn't get comfortable with writing bad, like, I couldn't yes. get comfortable with writing bad words. And I was, and I was realized, I was like, why do I, like, why should I be upset about this? I mean, every artist, or how should I phrase it? Every master at once was a beginner. And I, and like, that resonated because I was like, that makes sense because not, no one's just starts being amazing at something. Even, even prodigies never start amazing. They start good. You have to write those. Yeah, you have to write those shitty first drafts. You have yeah, to. That's, I realized revision is my best friend because I, I write a shitty first draft and I go through it in revision and I'm just like, I, that sounds good. No, that sounds good. Oh my God, this actually isn't awful. I've got the bones here. I should have flush it out. Well, and I'm always thinking about the Susan Sontag quote that I quote everywhere. Um, but she, she said, uh, what I write is smarter than I am because I can revise it. And it's such an interesting cognitive con concept that we can write a sentence and then we read the sentence and then the person that wrote the sentence is reading the sentence and learning from that sentence and getting smarter about that sentence and then can fix it like it's these multi-layered levels of our brain in action but we actually have to write the shitty first draft and even now 23 books in my 24th book will be shitty when i write it the first time it you don't you don't graduate to the person who then can write a good book no you never write a good book you write a bad book and then you make it better so if you already love revision, you said you're 21, dude, you're set. <laughs> that's like, that's a huge hurdle to get over. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. I think, I think the reason that it resonates with me so well is because like, I've always liked fixing things. I've always liked making things look nice. Like when I was a kid, my mother owned a painting company when we were, when we were young and I would be the, you know, like five or six, I'd be helping her clean up. I'd be helping her paint little walls here and there. I would, I would you know, roll stuff out and I was like, this looks awesome. I did something that made something better today. And with my own writing, it's like, wow, I can actually make my what I've written better just by going over it over and over and over. Isn't that and neat? Over again. It's so cool. It's, 
it's it's taxing, and I'll admit it. And there's sometimes when I'm revising when I'm just like, I hate this, I hate this draft, I hate everything about it. I don't ever want to look at it again. Oh, but that sentence looks like I could do something with it. <laughs> and then the next day you get back and you look exact same thing, and you're like, that is great. You know, it's all about mood, and it changes. So, yeah, it really does. All right, let's see. Next. So, along with writing, so when did you decide that you that you wanted to do podcasting as well? That was a crazy night that I couldn't sleep. I had just, I had just left my day job. I, <laughs> yeah. I just left my day job. So this was about two years ago, and um, and I still wasn't sleeping well because as a nine one one dispatcher, I was up all night every night for you know seventeen years, and um. And so I, I would still get these nights where my brain would just start spinning and I'd get so into something. And I Googled how to start a podcast and I realized that it sounded completely insane and impossible and technically difficult. And and so then I started just poking in the Internet, kind of seeing where what was missing, what did what was the podcast I wanted to hear? And I and I don't think I would have started a podcast if I couldn't have found a niche um, because all the, there's so many podcasts feeling great niches, but I'm a process junkie. I'm always looking for the magic bullet of writing that will someday make writing easy for me. Um, it's never going to happen. I understand that, but I love, you know, when you go hear a writer speak at, you know, some concert hall, I would just kind of, you know, I would listen as best I could. But as soon as somebody would ask the question, what's your process? Do you sit down in the morning? Do you have a cup of coffee? Do you write at night? I would really tune in because I would be listening for that. So I wanted to start a podcast about processes. I got up out of bed. By the time my wife walked in my office the next morning, I had um, a name, a logo, I, an account with Libsyn. I had figured out how to use Audacity. I had a theme song I'd gone into, you know, Creative Commons music. And I'd just been up all night doing this podcast. So um, I had it the, ne- the next week. And it wasn't something I had ever, I hadn't been sitting around for years thinking I want a podcast. It was an overnight feeling. But I have to say that it has changed my life. I love doing it. This brings in no financial you know, gain or monies or anything like that, except um, I do plug my Patreon on it uh, often. But but actually the connection with people like you brings me so much joy and and that kind of networking, and then networking is a dirty word, I think in a way, but that kind of connection to writers all over the world is something that cannot be beat. And you and I are gonna be friends forever now and we're gonna have that connection. And that's so cool to me. Like podcasting is the best. And then you've heard the pedal to the metal, which I do with Jay Thorne. Yep. I love it so much. I love that podcast. It's I fun. love I love talking to Jay. He and I are so much alike in so many ways and different in others. And to have that camaraderie on air. And I, I admit things to him sometimes on air that later I wish I hadn't because I literally forget that we're not alone. You know, it feels like we're alone. It feels like I'm alone yeah. with you right now. But, you know, I'm going to push this out on Friday. And we will not be alone. But that's that's kind of the magic of podcasting is this um, intimate com- connection. So. Yeah. I think, like, it's actually, it's funny. One of the podcasts that I've, I've been, like, because it was, as far as the class, this act, this interview is actually a requirement for, mm-hmm. is um, for Professor Williams' class, is uh, career, yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Get a little tongue tied sometimes. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a career prep class for writers. Oh, and fantastic! Which I, like when I when I was told about that, I was like, oh my god, there's a, a class for that. But one of them is a nine week project, and I've wanted to start a podcast since I started listening to podcasts because I have a friend, and him and his girlfriend have like she's got this whole story written out, and she wanted me to do the voice, some of the voice acting for it. And I was oh, like, this is going to be amazing. Cool. And we were getting ready to start for it, but you know, 
life happens and yeah. it hasn't started yet. But I was thinking, I was like, I could do another podcast anyway, because I think about it. I'm a college student. I'm 21 years old. Getting my writing out in the world, aside from places like Tumblr and WordPress or on blogs or on, on smaller social media sites, is about all I have right now. Submitting to larger journals is a lot more difficult, as you know, one of my friends calls them the big boy journals. <laughs> it's very hard. Well, it makes sense because you, you can submit to your, like, your college your college journal or like yeah. college like you know, the work thing, and that's cool. But those aren't you know giant accredited you know journals that go out to like half the country or that are mm-hmm. you know sponsored by other universities and other companies. And I remembered, I was like, well, what if there was a place for people my age, people in college who have just started, people in high school who have just started writing that want to start getting some exposure for the writing. I was like, I could create a podcast where I, you know, have somebody's story read on the podcast and I interview them and talk to them about the, about writing, about what they want to do with it. I love and this idea. Get exposure for people who don't have a way of getting it. And I thought that really cool because I, I can imagine, like, if there was a podcast out there for that, I'd do it for myself. Absolutely. I love that idea. It's creative and it's unique. I have not seen anything like that. Really? Um, I, I really haven't. And oh. I do cruise the podcast airwaves quite frequently. Have you seen anything like that? I don't think so, no, but I usually keep more to the uh, fiction and storytelling yeah. kind of at sides of the podcast. But as far as I've seen, I haven't seen anything like that yet. That is that is really, really cool. And I and I will recommend you can have like the problem with podcasts is they do become something you start collecting. I was just on a podcast yesterday, the Hybrid Authors Podcast, and Brian Williamson on that. He has five podcasts. I think Jay has three. I've whittled I've whittled down to two. So but what I'm saying is that you can have as many as you want. Do it. Do it. I know. I'm excited <laughs> about it. But that's one of the things. Like I think because like when and I got the email, I mean that like, hey, like, you know, this person has, you know, written all these books and she has, and she has podcasts. I was like, you can do both. I immediately thought I was, I was like, Oh my God, you can have both. And I was like, as of right now, you're, you're where you are, like with your career, like being able to be, you know, having all these, all these works, having these pockets, you're like, you're where I want to be right now. As a, as a 21 year old college student, what you're doing right now is what I want to do. I want you to do it. It's pretty I want to do freaking it. awesome too. I, I have to say, I, love I'm it. a little, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't ever feel jealousy unless it's something super awesome. So um, I can, I, I want this for you and I can see it that you're going to get it. So I love that Beverly connected us. This is so, Beverly, I'm very thankful. Beverly and I have she's been awesome. friends for forever. She's a, she's, she goes back to my knitting days. We're big knitters. So um, that's how it worked even before, before writing. So what else, what else you got for me? All right. Well, I've got a few more questions. Let's see. So. Now this is I can I think I've already gotten the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask anyway because just just from talking to you I know I already know what you're going to say. But what's more important, you enjoying your work or being able to support yourself with it? Oh, that's actually a really hard question to answer. That's you really stumped me. I think honestly it's a fifty fifty split. I do write things sometimes that I do not enjoy writing because I I live in the Bay Area. We have a mortgage. Um, it took a long time for me to be able to reach the level at which I could quit my one job and focus on just the single job. Because for 10 years, I worked both jobs full time. And that was, you know, 60 hours at the day job and 20 to 30 hours on, on the writing job. Um, so being able to take care of myself in a way that keeps the roof over our heads is super, super important. But on the flip side, the, uh, the enjoyment of what I do is paramount as it, as is, I love the freedom of writing. I love the freedom of this life. So those things are so important. I think I, I think to answer the question, um, it is important to me to enjoy what I'm writing as much as I can. Although I do sometimes 
do it as a day job. Um, but the fact that I can is also so enjoyable that even the stuff that I'm not as excited to write, I can amp myself up about and fall in love with because I have the freedom to do it. Is that too nebulous an answer? That is actually more or less what I expected. To okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> it's it's because I, I feel like it's anything. They say if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. But I know that's bullshit. It is bullshit. Even if, even if you love what you do, you don't love everything about what you do. I love every single day that I come to my desk, which is every day. But every single day, there are some things like catching up on email or you know, like I'm starting a new class at Berkeley next week and it's going to take me hours to set up the computer system to do it. And while I love teaching, I'm really not excited about setting up that computer system, but, um, but it's part of my job. And, and the fact that I get to walk 10 feet down from my kitchen and sit down here surrounded by dogs and do that, I will, I will, even if it sounded like complaining, I will never complain about it because it's magnificent, you know? It does sound amazing. I'm, I'm, like I said, again, I'm jealous. I have, I have two dogs at home and while I'm away at college, I don't get to see them ever. And like one of the, one of them's a you know 165 pound um, Great Pyrenees, oh. and the other one's a Pyrenees. It's a Pyrenees Chow mix who runs you know circles around everything, oh. never calms down. But they are the sweetest dogs in the world. And I've always I've always wanted dogs. I've, I've had dogs more or less my whole life, and I've always like I always say like, when as soon as I get an apartment, I'm getting a dog. Yeah. It's it's not it's not negotiable. But I think that one of the reasons that I find this like this career choice so or this career path so enticing is that freedom because I I don't like like I found I, I've worked at restaurants I've worked at the same restaurant for four years I work at a, a place over the summer I've worked there for three years I am terrified of not commitment in the entirety of it but commitment in the sense of I'm stuck in this place till you know mm. till further notice mm -hmm. I can't stand I want to be able to pick up and go where I want I want to be able to experience life i don't want to be stuck in my hometown my whole life do you know the term digital nomad i do not oh yeah google that digital nomad it's a thing um a lot of writers are digital nomads now they don't have homes but they they do these things where they'll go stay in you know tunisia for six months and write from there and then they'll go to thailand for a month or two and now, i mean when i was your age the internet existed, but barely, you know, um, but now people really can. I, if I was not happily married, happily with home and three dogs and two cats, um, I would be one. There is no way I would have a home. I would just have my laptop because that's all I need. I need my laptop and the microphone to do this job and I could go anywhere and stay anywhere. And you have that in front of you. You have that ability to do that. You can sometimes live cheaper in Thailand, cheaper, you know, in Probably can't live cheaper in Bali, but I wish you could. But you could, you, you can do that. You can do that, and to have that, um, to have that ability, plus honestly, like experience in the service industry, which I've always fallen back on. You can go anywhere. Exactly. So someone always needs a waiter. Always a waiter or a waitress is always quitting somewhere. Exactly, and, and you can never blame them. It is always in the back of my mind that, like you know, hard times. I'll just waitress. I'm 45 years old. It would be hard, hard, but I would do it. <laughs> the pay is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, my brother, my brother's a bartender at a at a restaurant in our town. And on a good weekend, he pulls six, seven hundred dollars. Holy it's, crap! Yeah. Well, it's I'm I'm from Cape Cod. Oh. I'm from Fountain. So, I mean, in the summer myself, I work two restaurant jobs. I work from 10 to 4 and from 4 to midnight, six days a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my that's my summer. But it's funny because even with all that, 
if I, because like the jobs that I have, they take a lot of my time. But even on the Sunday, it's like, I do whatever I want. I'll go to the beach. Mm-hmm. I go for a walk, go for a bike ride. I sit down and I write. Or my favorite thing is going to the beach with a book. Yeah, that's and then my favorite sitting, thing too. Sitting, sitting in my chair and reading a book for six hours, getting burned everywhere, but loving it. Because have I you, sit have you ever read uh, Anthony Bourdain's first memoir, Kitchen Confidential? I don't think I did. I think you should. He start. He talks a lot about starting out in the service industry on the East Coast. Um, I want to say Cape Cod area, and he's just such a brilliant writer. I think um, if you haven't read him, I think you'll really, really like him, especially since you're in that industry on, in the summers. Anthony Bourdain, B O U R D A I N, and I think the first book was called Kitchen Confidential, and it's just wackadoo and fun, and you will uh, you will identify all of the drug-addled cooks and the dropped bagels on the floor that you yep. brush off, and the and the drinking you start doing at nine a.m. when you get off shift, you know? <laughs> all of that. Yeah, for, for us, usually it's the um, the drunk customers and the coked out chefs the chefs are always coked out dude and if the chef does not show up you know it's because he's in jail but he'll be in on monday yeah, pretty know? much we had a, we had a, a sous chef or no, we had a, a prep cook that would come in and he had a thing where um if he drank too much and he got if his alcohol levels went to a certain point he'd have a seizure okay. and he told and he and he let our he let the owners of the restaurant know this when they hired him and I think after the third time he didn't come in because of it, they fired him. He's like, well, we, yeah, you can't be missing a Saturday night, you know, when we're our busiest just because you wanted to get drunk. <laughs> I and love he, restaurant industry. <laughs> oh, God, it's, it's, it's awful. I mean, I've, I've worked I've worked just about every job you can in a restaurant aside from, you know, actual chef because I don't like touching food. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like having to make food because it's probably the most stressful thing in the world. It's so stressful like, and it's it, so hot. Ugh. I also work in a four-star restaurant, so if I were to fuck the food up, uh. you know, that's... Forty-five dollars of the restaurant's money down the toilet and a possible walking out party. That's <laughs> only, all on me. I only worked at low-level fifteen-dollar plate kind of places, but yeah. I I lucked into this job. A friend of mine got a job dishwashing there, and when I was at my worst, which was actually when I was um when I was eighteen, I moved out of my parents' house. I, my mother and her and her boyfriend were great, but I didn't get along with her boyfriend mm-hmm. because he's a Viet, he's a Vietnam vet marine. Mm. And I was 18 and secretly bisexual. So mm, things didn't go away. Rough. So yeah. I, I moved out. And um, after six months of living at a friend's house, his mother said, if you're going to college, you can stay here for a year and we'll help get set up at a four-year university when you transfer. I was like, awesome. Six months in, she wanted me to leave because she wanted her boyfriend to move in. This, if you, if you've lived in, the, if you know anything about the North, or, you know, the Northeast, especially Cape Cod and Massachusetts, in 2015, we had the worst snowstorms we've had in a very yeah, long time. Yeah, I remember time. that. I was homeless for three days during that because I couldn't find somewhere because I was too stubborn to call for help and I was too stubborn to go back home. <laughs> those and, are, I'm so sorry, but I just had the thought that those are great traits for a writer, though. You have to oh, be stubborn as shit. That's why so, I work as much as I do because I know if I don't, then there's no one else to blame but me. Yep. Yep. Oh, I love it. I love talking to you. What else you got for me? All right. Let's see. All right. That one's now. That question's now redundant. um let's see as a writer and podcaster what's the most rewarding aspect of your job as a writer and a podcaster um or individually i think i have to do it individually as a writer the most rewarding parts of my job there are there are a few there are um coming up with the idea for the book because before you write a book the book is perfect and you know it and you can feel it and you have the atmosphere and you know exactly how it's going to move your readers. Um, so having the idea and building that idea, working on the premise, the synopsis, all of that to me is really fascinating and delicious. And then I screw it up 
And the book you end up with is never the book you wanted. It is always better than the book you wanted, but it's always different. So that's that's always an interesting and pleasant surprise. I love writing the end. I love writing the end on first drafts, and I really love it on revisions. I actually did it yesterday. I finally finished the gosh darn third revision of the thriller and sent it to my agent. I know. I was in a Panera. Panera has never been more glamorous. That is a soulless, soulless place. Um but I had up here. it's the worst. It's the worst. But I was there and I was so happy. So um, doing that. And then also the connections with readers um, is completely separate from the writing process. But when I do get email from readers that say that email say, you know, you helped me through either a difficult situation. You helped me when my husband was in the hospital and I couldn't sleep and I read your book or or, you know, you helped me learn this about X. There is nothing better than that. And I think that translates back into the podcasting that it comes to the connection. And I mean, as humans, we're all trying to avoid suffering and find love, right? So every 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 single one, even the people we hate the most, um, are trying to avoid suffering and find love. So when we make those connections with human beings that we speak the same language, you know, and I'm not talking about English, you know, you know, you have people that you meet that speak English the same way you do, but you can't talk to them easily. And, you know, before I met you 30 minutes ago, I didn't know if we would speak the same language, but we do. And having that kind of like heart connection is the best thing about the podcast. The the best thing. Um, the worst thing about the podcast is like listening to your own voice just is really just, yep. it just grates on you. You know, I. Every recording I've ever done. I can't stand the sound of my own voice. And, and then like, and I, I would be on podcasts before I started one. I would, you know, I would guest on them and I, I could never listen to them. And now I have to listen to them because I'm also the editor. So I'm, that's, that's no fun. But again, it's like the no fun part of the best job ever. So it doesn't suck. Every job has aspects, you know, like it's funny that you mentioned, you know, that heart to heart because it is Valentine's day. Oh, it is. Happy Valentine's day. Happy Valentine's day to you as well. <laughs> but it's funny. It's, it's a little random off the cuff kind of thing, but it's also, it's Valentine's day, but it's also Lent, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. I think I'm putting that in. I'm putting that in. I'm, I've, I've already got that saved to my awesome. uh, to my my writing notes. Yes. I'm putting that in a story someday. It's Valentine's Day, but when? That's wonderful. That is that is a story prompt right there for sure. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Let's start to let's start to wind it up because I don't want it to be too too long. But if you have more questions, oh. we can go off air. So why don't you give me one more yeah. air, uh, on air question? All right. So this is going to be the most you know, cliche question I'll ask, but <laughs> what advice do you have for an upstart in both fields? Uh, okay. So for an upstart, I think you're already on the money when it comes to writing. Um, you already understand that you don't wait for the muse that the, uh, I, can't, I think it was Thoreau, but I might be getting this wrong. Who said, um, I always wait for the muse to start writing. Luckily she shows up every morning at 9am. Um, you know, because you go to your desk and you start writing. The muse is the writing itself. If you can force yourself to get to the keyboard and move your fingers in any way, shape, or form in inside a document, the muse will come. You don't wait for her. It's just a job. I don't I don't subscribe to anymore the whole idea that you have to write every day. Um, I used to really punish people with that idea until a friend of mine uh, actually on the podcast said that that's uh, really opened my eyes. She said that's damaging for people who are writers who can't write every day, either because of life circumstances, because of work, because of kids, uh, because of travel. Some people just can't. But what I do push is that you write every day that you can, every day that you have the time. Um, I also believe 
that the best advice is to write, unless you absolutely can't, but is to write um, first thing in the day. If writing is the most important thing to you to get done in your heart, if that's what you really want to do, then get it over with. And you spend 20, 30 minutes writing. You get 500, 700 words. Then no matter what happens the rest of the day, no matter how much you screw it up, you have achieved the one thing that matters to you the most. So, so get it over with as early as possible. And then add more words later if you can, if you, if you want to. Um, that's my advice for new writers, for new podcasters. Oh, I have good advice. Um, this just came to me. Just be as ballsy as you can. I have gotten so far with ignoring that little voice inside me that says, oh, don't email that person. She's, she's so big. She would never talk to you. She would never, she doesn't have time. She wouldn't stoop to answering this email to being on the show. Um, be big and brave and ask. There's I, um, Amanda Palmer for all her for all her faults, which are not probably not that many. Uh, but she, she, do you know Amanda Palmer? She's I can't a, say I do. She's a musician. She, um, she's, she was in the Dresden Dolls. She's pretty famous for being a very avant-garde musician. She's married to Neil Gaiman. And she wrote this book called um, something about asking and yes. I, I'm sorry, I can't get the title. But her, the whole premise of the book, it's it's wonderful, is just ask. Just ask. And the worst thing you can get is a no. Uh, the, but in podcasting especially, just ask and you you never know what'll happen. Like you asked to interview me and now we're pals and we're talking on the show and you're going nationwide on Friday. So That's exciting. Because because you asked. You know? Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things actually um last year. Uh, are you familiar with the podcast called the No Sleep Podcast? No, it sounds uh, what a great title. It's it's a horror podcast. It originally started as um one guy in from Canada who would read stories from a, a Reddit forum called No Sleep. And now they're in their 10th season. Oh my gosh. And they have a cast of like 12 or 13 voice actors and they have every week they release like a three or four hour show. Holy crap. Wow. Now it's it's like they have a, a show they release every week. It's um, it's like an hour and a half long. If, there is a paywall, but it's 20 bucks a season. Yeah. Which that's... is nothing for right. like 28 episodes that are all four hours long. It's wow. fantastic. And I went to see one of their podcasts live with my best friend. And I got to meet every single member of their cast that was there, which was like, I think at the time was, I think eight or nine people. I mean, I have a picture, I have pictures of them. I have signed postcards. Like I have everything. And I remember I talked to the guy who started, a guy named David Cummings. And he told me that, you know, with every, like, cause I asked him, I was like, well, I really want to start a podcast. Like, how did you start? He's like, I just kind of went for it. And I, I realized I was like, if I, like, it's what everybody tells me. It's like, if you don't like, it's, it's, it's funny. I'll quote, you know, the Massachusetts state lotteries, uh, motto you can't win if you don't play <laughs> and i figured you have to go for it because the worst thing somebody can say is no you get rejection big deal move on to the next one i will say that like i try way more things than i actually I actually succeed at i'm very oh people listen people listen to me regularly know that i fail all the time i'm constantly landing on my, on my face but I'm also very comfortable at getting myself back up and cleaning off the blood and strapping a pack of frozen peas to my thigh and just going on and trying the next thing and hurling myself at it and um, asking for yeses, asking for forgiveness when I screw up because I screw up so often, um, but just keeping pushing forward. And I, and I see that, that fire in you. And I have to say that I'm expecting super things from you. And I'm not saying you, you must come up with an awesome novel in the next six, <laughs> six months, but I'm saying as we progress and as we stay in touch, I'm really looking forward to see 
what you do to what crazy things you attempt and fail and succeed in. Well, I can't wait to have more stories to tell you next time we have this chat. Thank you so much for being on the show. Don't hang up, um, but I will say goodbye to you officially online. Um, happy writing to you and keep us all posted, okay? I will, I promise. Okay. Thank you very much for having me on your show. You're very welcome. Talk soon. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>